look a little bit at Revelation chapter 12. But that's why Hebrews is talking about, you know, uh, there is, there was this earthly temple where they actually have, you know, I've never seen it, but there's a traveling tabernacle that was modeled after the original tabernacle. It travels around the United States. It'd be fun just to see like what it, you know, because it's the exact dimensions and all this stuff is the same as what it was. But all of that is really just uh, what the Bible calls types, shadows, examples of the real and the true. And as I was preparing for this message a few weeks ago, I was um, thinking about that. And I thought about the shadows. And I thought, you know, because the word says these are, these are shadows of the real. I thought, wow, how vague is that? Because if you could just see the shadow of, of someone over there in the hallway because the sun coming through and you couldn't actually see their face. When we were in the mountains this week, they had this, uh, we were in like a Young Life Lodge and they had this uh, room where we, they would speak and when uh, people would speak, behind them was the sun and the mountains. So actually you really couldn't even see their face, you could just see their shape and their form. <laughs> and you think if you had never met someone and all you saw was their shadow, what, how much would you know about them? You wouldn't know a whole lot about them. You wouldn't even know how tall they were because where's the sun? You know, if the sun is like just coming up, they might look like 100 feet tall. Do I need to change? Okay. But if the sun is directly overhead, they might look way shorter than what they are. They're shadow. And so these things were just a shadow of the real. Yeah, sometimes the human flesh wants to get stuck on the shadow and the ritual and the form. And Well, why? Well, it doesn't require anything of your heart. It's just like I can just go, you know, give me the 10 things I have to do, and I'll just do those 10 things, boom, 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 boom. It's like if I tell my wife every day, I love you, but I don't really mean it, she's not really going to appreciate that quite as much as if I really put my heart into it. Say, Melody, I love you. It's really hard to do in front of a bunch of people. It's embarrassing me, but I love you. <laughs> but these were just a shadow of the real. So much so that when the priest would go in the temple once a year, he would take a sacrifice for himself, and then he'd take the scapegoat for the sins of the people. And he pronounced the sins of the people on the scapegoat and sent it out into the wilderness. But that only lasted for a year, and that was only skin deep. It was only an outward cleansing. It couldn't, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing what we went through last week. It couldn't actually remove the sins from the people. It was just a covering. So if somebody says, you know, your sins are forgiven and your sins are covered. Well, it is true that they're forgiven as a believer, but they're not covered as a believer. The blood of Jesus does not cover your sins and does not cover my sins. It does something much greater. It removes them. It, it, they are no longer accounted to your life. The only place that your past sins, once you give them to the Lord, come back up, is the devil may try to put a thought in your mind or your thinking, you may remember an instance. But you know what? God said, I put that sin in the sea of forgetfulness and cast it as far as the east is from the west. Sin is only a problem for God if you don't receive his cleansing of sins. That comes through his son, Jesus Christ, through the blood of his son. 
So you could say sin is not really a problem for God because He has already conquered sin in all its forms. You know, a lot of times there, there's a song, maybe we should sing it sometime at the end of the service. I love that song where you invite people to give their lives to the Lord. And it's, it, it, the first part of the song says, come just as you are. And I like that song because human flesh wants to say like, okay, I'm going to come to God as soon as I'm living right. Well, you might as well give up now. If that's what you're trying to do, don't even, just stop. And actually, when a lot of people just realize, because they've tried and tried, and oh, they made a mistake, so now I still can't come to God, now i got to go back, so I made another mistake. And they get in this, and then they get like real um, sad about it, and conscious, like I keep messing up, and I, I, I can't do this. And when you come to that realization, and you're actually looking for the answer, you're, you're prime ground for God to show up in your life because you're not looking to yourself, you're looking to him. You're saying the source of my strength in this situation or how I'm going to make it through this is not from me. I have seen that I cannot do it. And so then if you're open to the Lord, uh, you look and the spirit of God himself will draw you and he'll convict you of sin, the Bible says, because you don't believe on his son, Jesus Christ. You know, that's, that's the sin that he convicts you of. And you're kind of like, wait a second. If I turn my life to him, are you telling me I don't have to pay for all this? I think that I mentioned that last week. There's one particular person who was like, somebody has to pay for this. You know, there was a mistake and someone has to pay. I'm not talking money. Like, I don't know what he wanted, like a whip or something. I, I don't know. We were all adults. Somebody has to pay. That is natural human thinking. Well, somebody does have to pay, and they did. You ever been at a restaurant, and all of a sudden uh, you say, hey, I'd like the, the bill, please, and they say, well, actually, somebody at that table over there paid for it. And you say, I didn't even know. That's great. Who are they? I'd like to thank them. Sometimes you find out who they are. Sometimes you don't. But Jesus paid the price for every single one of us why are we trying to pay it again? The power of the blood of Jesus, he shed his blood for us on the cross. And the power of that blood uh, goes beyond whatever, however creative you can be with sin. Some people have been very creative. But when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for every sin in completeness. Let's look at uh, Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. So he's talking in verse 13 about the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, the sprinkling of unclean to sanctify to the purifying of the flesh. And then he says in verse 14, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your or purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself. You understand Christ uh, is and was and always will be an eternal spirit. And so 
an eternal spirit took on your sins and my sins in all of their vastness and completeness and the length of however long they would be, however much they would be, in fullness. Uh, he was tempted in every point like as we are, yet without sin. And the sins and iniquities of us all were placed upon him in all forms, at all points. So you're talking about the blood of the eternal Son of God who freely offered His own blood. So like when you talk about like the old sacrifices, which obviously we're not doing a real in-depth study of all of that, but you know about the old sacrifices, you take a bull or a goat um, or a heifer, and they didn't say like, hey, today I would like for you to kill me for the sins of the people. <laughs> In fact, if they kind of realized what was going on, they were probably putting up a little bit of a fight about it. That's not Christ. He was not forced to do what he did. He did it out of love. And he knew what was happening. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, not despising the shame. In other words, he understood. He didn't hold that shame in low regard. He knew, like, this is a shameful thing. I'm going to die on a cross. Curses everyone who dies on a cross. And he knew he's taken on all the sins of the people. So it's not like he, he, he didn't like, well, I, I, I'm, it's just, I'm just halfway doing this, and yeah, whatever, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, he knew what was happening. Why do you think he shed great drops of blood in the garden when he was praying? Because he went through the cross before he was on the cross. And he did that because he wanted to do that. He freely laid down his life. Doesn't mean it was easy for him because, you know, the prayer that some people get really confused that Jesus prayed, and they'll try to pray this for other things, but it doesn't apply to other things. It's a prayer of like, I'm going to do your will, God. He said in the garden, he said, Lord, if it be your will, take this cross from me. Why? Because he's seeing it before he's experiencing it. And he's like, I, I want to do this, but man, my flesh does not want to do this. I don't want to go through this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Well, you don't pray that prayer for something that, you know, like to get saved or to be healed or to receive blessings from the Lord because uh, his will is clear. His word is his will. But you pray that prayer when you're kind of like uh, somebody, you know, the Lord might say, hey, I want you to talk to that person. You're like, Lord. <laughs> You know, that person just rubs my fur the wrong way. <laughs> really? Can you send someone else? But not my will. Yours be done. You say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to do this. I mean, that's a great position to be in if you really think about it because then you're not going to do it in your own strength and ability anyhow because your own flesh doesn't really want to. You say, you know what? I'm going to tap in to your love that you have poured into my heart. And do you know what that does? that hits you somewhere deeper than almost anything else can hit you because you did that from the depths of your being where love is at. And you said, you know what? No, I'm not doing what I just feel like doing. I mean, look what he did for me. He didn't feel like going to the cross, but he loved me, so he did. He said, I have set my love upon them. So how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself 
without spot to God. In other words, perfect. It's one thing when somebody that like kind of messes up is like, oh, uh, I messed up, so I'll let you do this, or let me give you access to this. But Jesus, he didn't have to do it. He didn't mess up in, in any of the temptations at any point. He had no sin. Him, he didn't know sin. Him who knew no sin actually became sin for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I love uh, Amplified. I think it says, uh, well, Amplified says, if any man be engrafted into Christ. Uh, another translation says, if anyone is in union with Christ. You remember in uh, John where Jesus talked about, I am the vine, you are the branches? that the life is in the vine and the reason that those branches have any kind of life is because they are connected to that vine. Without me, you can do nothing, but with me, all things are possible. So the very life of God that's in Christ then flows into the branches. And so we have that very life. And with that life, when we allow that life to flow in us and through us, that life produces more life. That life produces more life. So he offered himself without spot to God. And he took our sins and he actually became sin that we might be made God's righteousness or everything that's right about God. That all of a sudden we are favored by God himself. Like you go some places and, um, you know, uh, when I was uh, stationed at Fort Meade in the mid-90s, and I was an intelligence analyst, and I was, like, just new in the military and new in intelligence, and um, <laughs> I was learning how to do uh, intelligence analysis, and so I was in a, I had a, I mean, really favor of the Lord, an awesome assignment. I worked in an operations center in a crisis area of that center. And um, so I had the opportunity to brief a lot of high-ranking people. And one guy that actually worked there, uh, I was like a E2. I was like almost as low as you could go. <laughs> but this guy um, was a brigadier general. And so he would come down when we had different briefings and stuff, and so I got to talking with him, and uh, then he came. It's my first assignment, so I'm sitting down there at my desk, and he came and pulled up a chair next to me, and he's talking with me, and he starts teaching me about different ways to analyze different intelligence information. Well, I don't understand this because I'm kind of new to the military. I think, I mean, obviously you, you honor the rank and respect the rank, but I, I don't know that this is abnormal <laughs> until uh, after he leaves. He was down there for maybe for 30 minutes to an hour with me. And uh, he did this a few times. And uh, after he leaves, uh, somebody came in from another office and said, what did he want? And I said, oh, he was just talking to me about such and such and showing me this and how this works. And they said, what? <laughs> and I said, he was just showing me this. And then he invited me to come down to his office and talk with him about some other stuff. And, and um, they're like, that is not normal. 
And I said, oh, I said, well, uh, I, said, well I, I kinda like it. <laughs> and um, you know, then they're checking with you like, well, did you ask him to come? And I said, no, I said, he just came over and did this. Like he favored me. And he invited me into his office. I mean, don't you think people were like, I'm like having like one stripe and he has like one star. And they're like, what are you doing going into his office? I said, well, he invited me down here. Well, how much more God himself has favored mankind and said, you know what? I want to be with you. I want you close to me. But you can't come that way on your own. You have to take my son, his life, and his blood, and you receive that, that what he did when he died on the cross, he did for you so that you could be close to me. So like, you know, people say, well, like, that doesn't make sense. And somebody, uh, 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 I don't even remember who it was. I was recently speaking with, um, was talking about, you know, well, they had seen God work in their life and some miracles. And, you know, so therefore they must be in the family of God. And I said, no, no, God is a good God. And if you give him, you know, I say like just an inch, he'll take a mile, right? He, you know, to let you bless him, let him bless you. And I said, you know, the Lord is, wants to work in the lives of people. He wants to lift you up and raise you up and help you and strengthen you. But as many as received him, those are the ones he gave to, the right to be the children of God, the Bible says. You have to receive him. It's an actual act and a decision from your heart where you say, no, I am receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is good. And he'll work in your life. But what happened is, in the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. God made the world and everything in the world, and then he created Adam and Eve like last. So he created the world and the fullness of, uh, in it for mankind. And he stopped and he said, it's all good. And he said, just one thing, don't eat of that one tree. Right? So... Sometimes you feel like maybe you shouldn't tell your children, hey, just one thing, don't touch that. Because <laughs> you know what? As soon as you leave, they're like, mm. <laughs> they don't want to touch that. <laughs> so the serpent's there in the garden, and he's tempting them. You know, what is he, how does he tempt? He did not change. He is not creative. He, he, he like uh, manipulates and distorts and perverts. So he's like, you know what? What did he do? He impugned the motives of God. He said, you know what? God knows that he doesn't want you to eat that because he knows if you eat that, you'll be like him. He doesn't want you to be like him. And then he even changed what God said, which he does this all the time. He, you know, God said, don't eat of it. And he said, he said that God said, don't even touch it. And he twisted a few other things. Anyhow, well, man submitted their will to the will of the enemy. And by doing that, just like God said, uh, they sinned and death came through sin. But they didn't fall dead in their natural body there. What happened? They became separated from God. They died spiritually. Every human is a three-part being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And so they became separated from God. That's why 
It doesn't matter if you see a miracle, if the Lord actually, uh, you know, if you're paralyzed and the Lord raises you up. I mean, that means God loves you and He is love and He is health and He is healing. But that doesn't mean that you're one of His children. Uh, 2 Corinthians, we read verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 21, verse um, uh, 17. Uh, no, in that same passage there, it says that we are ministers of reconciliation. To tell the world that God's not mad at you, he actually bought you back from sin and from separation from himself, and all you have to do is receive that. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If any man be in Christ, that's where Amplified Translation says, is engrafted into Christ, just like you would graft, like I, I, I have one fruit tree, and I want to have more, but then I want to graft because I want to have, like, you know, uh, plums growing on, you know, a peach tree. I just think it'd be kind of cool. <laughs> Why? Because that life that's in the, I have a peach tree. So that life that's in the peach tree, if I graft in a plum branch, that life will supply life to those plums. So if any man be engrafted into Christ, or if any man is receiving their life from Christ, he is a new creature. It's in union with, you're connected with. And so you must be born again. You know, the rulers of the uh, law, Nicodemus, went to Jesus in the nighttime and said, how can, you know, how can you go to heaven? And Jesus said, you must be born again. You have to be born again. And Nicodemus was not born again. So he didn't understand things like someone that's born again. So he understood things only from the natural. So he said, you know, like I would have said. You know, maybe he had like a little analytical mind, like my little analytical mind. He said, are you saying that I have to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Like, you know, and then if he's like me, he's like, how is that possible? I'm, I'm kind of big. That's kind of small. I'm kind of big. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You must be born again, or literally it says born from above. You must be born from above. So you must have a new life. So you've got the whole part about being born and coming to life again, or, you know, like, like that. But it is actually a brand new life that never existed before. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Literally, it means a life that has never existed before. And old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? No spot, meaning no sin, no impurity, nothing lacking, not like almost, like completeness. So what everyone really wants to strive for, like, oh, okay, I want to do this. I don't want to mess it up. How many people like to do stuff and mess up, right? <laughs> That's in Christ. Your perfection is found in him. Where do you find perfection in your life? In him. Where do you find a lack of failure in your life? In him. The message of Christ is the message of freedom. You're freed from your works, and you've entered into His. 
It's the message of rest, Hebrews chapter 4. They that believe have entered into rest. They have ceased from their labor, Hebrews says, just like God ceased from his. Remember, he rested on the seventh day. We live as believers in the seventh day. Our whole life is the seventh day. And actually it says, we're not supposed to labor for all this other stuff. Don't work for this stuff. He said, work for one thing, and that is what? To rest. Isn't that funny? I love how God talks. He said, your labor is a labor of rest. In other words, to cease from your own labors. In other words, your own works. We talk, I started out talking about self-righteousness. That, okay, I pray three times a day. I read four chapters in the Bible every day. I spend this much time in church. I do this much serving the church. If that is my approach to God, I can't get there. As a pastor, I can't get there. As a Christian, I can't get there. I have no access there. Where I have access is like when Jesus was talking about the Pharisee and the publican, and they're praying before the Lord. And, and the Pharisee's like, oh, Lord, I give a tenth of everything I have. I give a tenth of my peach tree and a tenth of my plum tree. <laughs> the fruit that's produced from it. And the sinner said, said, Jesus said he beat his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. One came by the mercy and the grace of God, by what Jesus had done. And the other came by what he had done. And Jesus said, I tell you, actually he said, if I recall right, he said, verily, verily. In other words, I'm telling you the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. That guy who said, have mercy on me, went away justified and not the other. I mean, Jesus showed us right there. This is the way to the Father. It is by what Christ has done and by his mercy. Actually, in Hebrews it says that the blood of Jesus is a propitiation for our sins. And propitiation literally means a mercy seat. And the mercy seat, if you remember, you're talking about the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant and the, the, the tabernacle. So the Ark of the Covenant is where they put the Ten Commandments and Moses' rod, or Aaron's rod that budded and all this you know, awesome stuff. And then on top of it, there were two cherubim with their, their wings back like this. And between there, that's called the mercy seat. And that's where the priest would sprinkle the blood. So the mercy seat was the place where the blood was poured out. And so we come to God by the mercy seat. But that was just a shadow of the real. And so when Jesus, when they would offer the, those blood of animals... That was temporary and had to be redone, and it wasn't even complete. But he offered his own blood once for all. All mankind, all sins, all eternity. Complete. What they did was incomplete. But what he did is complete. And actually, Hebrews tells us that his blood still speaks today. So it's not like I was born again at a young age, at four years old. His blood spoke for me then. But you know his blood is still purging and cleansing and speaking for me now? So sin is only a problem if I make it a problem. Somebody said, well, then I could just do whatever I want. Well, that's what I do. 
I sin all I want to. Because I have a new life on the inside of me. So my want to has changed. My desires are from another place. And these desires from the innermost part of my being where I am one with God, they are so much richer and satisfying and deeper than any fleshly desires that I would have. So much more fulfilling. Why? Because these desires, you know, my body is going to pass away. Not today. <laughs> but my spirit actually is renewed day by day, Corinthians says. Actually, says the outward man is decaying, but the inward man is renewed day by day. My spirit's, my spirit's not getting any older. So my spirit, the reason is because my spirit is eternal, just like God. But this flesh is not eternal. I'm older than I was 20 years ago. About 20 years. Eddie has just begun, so he's like, I remember when I was your age, I thought people like me were so old. <laughs> so if the blood of animals purified for a time, how much more will the blood of Christ, the eternal spirit, purify your conscience? from dead works to serve the living God. Uh, you may do all those things, but I'll tell you what, those things are dead. So what? Uh, when my spirit is satisfied, it affects every other part of my being. And my spirit is satisfied with Jesus. When I stay conscious of him, walk with him, talk with him, it affects my life. So I don't do what I do to get close to God or get to get him to like me or get him to approve of me. I do it because he loved me so much. He loved me so much. I don't even comprehend the price that the life of Christ was with my natural mind. It's not really what God can do for me, but it's what I can do for him. So a new life in Christ will produce good works, but good works will not produce a new life in Christ. A new life in Christ will give birth or you'll see the fruit of good works, but good works themselves will not produce a new life in Christ because if you're doing those apart from God, his life is not in those. I'm happy people do good things, but many times people rely upon those. You know, they're, 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 it doesn't actually remove guilt uh, from the conscience, like Hebrews is talking about, the blood of Christ does, but it kind of like, you know, you kind of like, it covers it over. So you're like, okay, I can do this because, well, I, I'm giving to this charity or I'm spending this time doing this. So, so, so God loves me, right? There, there's like, if you talk to someone that's like that, you, there's like this question that's kind of always lingering. Like, I, I think, is that right? Like, I want an affirmation. Can you, can you give me affirmation? Like, do, do you agree? Like, Mary, I, I'm doing these good things. Is that right? Like, like so, so God loves me, right? 
So, I, I, you know, am I going to heaven? I, 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 well, I do good things, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am, right? Everybody wants that. Well, God gives you that. It's called the inward witness. The second that you're born again, you have the witness. He, uh, Romans chapter 8. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So everybody's looking for somebody outwardly like a Mary Mary. I'm, I'm, I'm all right, right? I'm doing good, right? But God said, I'll do something much more real. I'll speak to you in your own spirit. You receive my son. You, you get a new life. And now I don't have to have uh, Bethany or Mary or Andrew or my father-in-law or my wife say like, uh, Tim, you're okay. You're okay. No, he said, I'm going to go right inside of you. And I'm going to say, you're my child. I'm going to witness to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would. Hebrews 9.14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, or without, literally in my Bible it says without fault, to God, how much more will his blood purge your conscience, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, that you can actually live with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to invite you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as we said, it's not... Uh, you don't come to him because of all of these things that you do are certainly not the things that you didn't do that you're ashamed of. None of that is a problem for God. You come to him by the lifeblood of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's a lot of counterfeit life out there. And that counterfeit life... Uh, maybe looks good, maybe even tastes good. There's a satisfaction of sin for a season, the Bible says, you know, that you'll enjoy it for a season. But this is eternal. This goes beyond the moment. This goes beyond, I was talking about Eddie in his 20s. This goes beyond your 20s. Uh, this goes beyond your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, your 90s, your 100s. My uncle lived to be 104. This is the very life of God. It is eternal life. And when you receive him, you receive his life right now. And if you're 20, something like Eddie, you can live your life as his life, with his life as your source from 20 on. Not just after your body passes away. I'm talking about here and now. That I don't, I don't walk around living full of guilt I don't walk around living full of condemnation. I don't walk around living trying to get close to God by what I do. I've been brought near by the blood. His blood brought me near. So if you're here this morning and you want to come into the family of God, the price has been paid. It'll just cost you everything you have. 
your whole life. You turn your whole life over to him, and he gives his whole life to you. Now his life flows in you and through you, and he is the source of your life and of your stability and of your peace and of your blessing and of your future and of your hope. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'd like to receive Jesus this morning, just slip up your hand. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Don't wait another minute. Come to Christ. He paid the price for you. And he loves you with a love that will never end. Just slip up your hand if you'd like to receive Jesus this morning. Secondly, if you're here this morning and uh, you were a believer, but you got distracted by life or any number of different things and you have kind of... Um, put the Lord and the things of his family and of his kingdom uh, in the back seat. And you feel in your heart you need to come back. You need to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. I, I, I want to I be near to you, live for you, close to you. I don't want to live for myself anymore. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Man, in a, in a split second, really faster than that, your life change guilt rolls off of your shoulders it's like a weight gone and number three if you're here this morning you've never been filled with the spirit I mean, you'd like to be man like I, I said at the beginning uh, I was born again but Jesus said uh, to the uh, disciples after they were born again he's like wait until you be filled with power from on high if you've never been filled with power from on high, you'd be filled with the spirit and the first way you know you're filled with the spirit is you begin to speak in other tongues the Lord gives you words to speak uh, you speak to God and not to men. If you'd like to be filled with the Spirit this morning, slip up your hand. God loves you, and He, uh, you want all of Him. I, you know, I, I was hungry, and I'm like, Lord, I want all of you that there is. So, if you'd like to be filled with the Spirit, any one of those three, you'd like to be born again, come back, or filled with the Spirit, just slip up your hand. Hallelujah. 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 I see, I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hallelujah. Don't, don't resist the Spirit of God. When, he's, when He is working on your heart, man, that is prime ground just to respond to Him. He, that doesn't mean He's trying to embarrass you or hurt you. It means he, he, He's trying to help you and lift you up and give you something. Crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Anybody else? Slip up your hand real quickly. Real quickly. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray, and then I'll minister to this, this one that's raised their hand. Father, thank you so much. Father, I pray right now that if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that has not come into your family, Father, that you would reveal to them the reality of heaven and hell, of life. Father, that your love for them would be so prominent and present before them in their life that wherever they go, Father, they would be conscious of how you care for them, conscious of the price that Christ paid for them. Father, that they wouldn't uh, be able to focus on anything else until they receive your life and your love for them. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood 
And Father, I plead that blood over every life of every person listening right now, that everything that he accomplished, your son, Jesus, accomplished with his blood concerning us over our affections, our desires, your plan for our life, over our bodies, over our hearts and our minds. Father, may each one of us live in our lives in the consciousness of the power of the blood of your Son. Father, thank you that you set us free from uh, weakness, failure, sins, uh, patterns in our life that are not of you and that you have given us your very life and nature as our source. I pray as we go that you'd give each one a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you. The eyes of our innermost being would just be flooded with light from you, that we would see and know what you've done for us, who you've made us to be, and that we would bring your life and love uh, to all those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.